am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. Your word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will not pass away. And so, Father, we've come to hear from your word. I step back now so the Spirit of God can use every part of me to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I take authority over any distractions and any hindrances that would keep us from hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And I thank you that today, strongholds will be broken. Father, lives will be changed. And the power of the devil will be demolished from the power of your word. And I declare that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives because Jesus always confirms his word with signs following. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Well, we're still in our series called Facing the Giants. And last week, I did part two of the message on facing the giant of your emotions. And if you missed that message, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it because faith comes by hearing and not having heard. And last week, uh, during that message, I gave some very practical principles on managing your thought life, which is the key to controlling your emotions. I'm going to say that again. I gave some principles that are very practical that will help you and I manage our thought life. Why? Because managing your thought life is the key to controlling your emotions. Now, today, if you're taking notes, uh, our lesson title is Facing the Giant of Self-Control. Facing the Giant of Self-Control. Let me warn you as parents, this is a rated PG-13 message. So if you have smaller children, go ahead and go let them watch Barney. Well, you should, yeah, that shows how old I am, right? All right. So uh, let's jump into this. And uh, the area of self-control is an area that everybody can grow from. So let's get started. I want us to start with the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to start out reading this passage that uses the word temperance. And we're going to see that the word temperance uh, is also defined as self-control. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, and I'm reading out of the King James Version. And besides this, giving all diligence, watch this now, add to your faith virtue. Now, before I keep going, I want you to see that right here, something needs to be added to my faith. And if something needs to be added to my faith, that means it's going to make my faith better and it's going to make my faith more efficient. So he's saying, 
in addition to just having faith, you need to add virtue. And then he says, and to virtue, watch this, knowledge. In other words, as you and I walk by faith, we still need to grow in knowledge. And here's the thing. He says, and to knowledge, temperance. And here's the thing. When you and I learn knowledge, when we add knowledge to our faith, once you know better, you now have an opportunity to do better. So he says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and then to temperance patience and to patience godliness. I want us to focus on the word temperance. Now, when you look this word up in the Bible, and in fact, when you look it up in the dictionary, it means self-control. Everybody say self-control. Self-control. But there's another word that also is used to define this word temperance in the Bible. And we don't use this word commonly every day, but it's the word continence. Okay? And it means, watch this, self-constraint or self-restraint, especially in regards to sexual activity. I'm going to say that again. The word continence means self-restraint, especially in regards to sexual activity. Now, if we combine these two definitions, it will help us better understand the meaning of temperance because that's what I'm going to be talking about the rest of the day. So temperance means to have self-control with restraints, especially, but listen, but it's, this is not the only area, but especially in the area of sexual activity. So I have a take-home statement that I didn't give you, but I'm going to give you now. So if you're taking notes, you have to write this one down. If you don't develop self-control, you will eventually be controlled. I'm going to say that again. If you don't develop self-control, you will eventually be controlled. Now, as important as self-control is, this word temperance is only found or used in the Bible three or four times. I mean, self-control is pretty important. And you would think that the word temperance would be used more than like three or four times in the whole Bible. But it's only used three times in the whole Bible. And so here's the thing. What makes temperance very important is that it's listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're taking notes, I have three points for you today. Here's the first point if you're taking notes. And that is temperance or self-control is managed on the inside but influenced from the outside. I'm going to say that again. Temperance or self-control is managed on the inside but influenced from the outside. Let's look in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. I'm going to show you that temperance is a part of what I call the spirit package. When you and I get born again of the spirit, the spirit of God, Holy Spirit, when he comes inside of us, that's what we've been born again of, he brings with him certain abilities and giftings and anointings. And one of the things here that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is a fruit called temperance. Watch Galatians 5.22. All right. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Watch verse 23. Meekness. Here we go. 
temperance, and then he says, against such there is no law. And then verse 24 says, and they that are of Christ, watch this, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now, I want you to notice something that he said that they who are of Christ must crucify the flesh and the affections and the lust. In other words, it is our responsibility to crucify our flesh. Amen. Now, the word lust there, when you look it up, it means a longing, desire, and passion, watch this, to something that's typically forbidden. I'm going to say that again. It means a longing. I'm talking about lust now. And I'm going to talk about it because a lot of times what's happening within the church, and I'm glad that the building's empty so I won't have to look at somebody's face to see who I'm talking to, okay? But the word lust, it means a longing, a desire, a passion for that which is forbidden. It is the pleasing of oneself. And what I want to do is show you the first time that lust took place in the Bible or desire passion. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat this fruit, Eve, then your eyes are going to be open, and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, remember now, I made a point that temperance is managed on the inside, but influenced from the outside. So look and see what happened uh, in verse 5. For God knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. So verse 6 says, when she saw that this tree was good for food and it was pleasant, watch this, to the eyes and a tree to make one desire to make one wise, she took thereof of the fruit, she ate it and she gave it to her husband. Now, she desired this. That's one of the definitions of the word lust. It means to desire, but typically it's desiring something that is forbidden. And I want you to notice now that lust or this desire or passion is not limited to sexual activities. It can be anything. First John chapter 2 verse 16 kind of gives us an idea of how lust works. And the reason I'm talking about this is you can't have self-control if you have, uh, if you are full of lust. Amen, Pastor Reverend. First John chapter 2 verse 16 says, for all that is in the world. Now I want you to notice now what's in the world. All that is in the world, watch this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does, uh, does the will of God abides forever. Lust doesn't just involve sexual things. Notice he says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. So it's not just sexual things. See, your body can crave things, can lust for things that might be legal, but may not be, but, but may be corruptible. I'm going to say that again. Lust doesn't in just involve sexual things. We'll talk about that. But it also involves things that might be legal, but may be corruptible. In other words, it's not good for you. Remember now, my point is temperance is managed on the inside, but influenced from the outside. And see, some of us, you know, we are allowing our bodies to dictate what we do. So, uh, for instance, uh, 
you may have a snacking problem. You know, you go in there to get some gas. Get some gas. And then you see the Doritos on the shelf. And you can't eat the Doritos without some white powdered donuts. You know, the kind that leave a ring around your lips. Too much lust makes one fat. I'll leave that alone. And then some of us, you know, uh, we grew up and, you know, we like cigarettes. Ah, you know, uh, these are the Marlboro Pack, you know. Let me see what we got up in here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, lust. Your body tells you, I want a cigarette. You know, we all know somebody who, who, you know, they got the cigarette on their lips. And they talk with it like this, you know what I'm saying? Everybody got, everybody got an uncle like that, yeah, right. You know, and they just sitting around. It ain't even lit. They just talking, you know, yeah, yeah, you need to sit down somewhere over there, boy. You know, that's what you need to do, see. No, you know what's causing you to smoke? Your body, that lust says, I need a cigarette. But he says, so some of y'all, you know, now some of y'all have, have graduated from the cigarette level. And, uh, you know, I rolled this this morning. Let, let's see if we can get a good shot. Come on, can you zoom in on this right here? This, uh, some people would call it a joint. Some people would call it a, a, a doobie, maybe. Some people would call it a, a, a what? A what? Stiff? A split. How y'all know that? How, how does my sound booth know what joints are called? I'm not sure, but I'm going to survey them after the message. But, you know, here we go. Uh, uh, you know what's making you want this? It's the lust inside. And that's why you do it. You don't have a drug problem. You have a lust problem. By the way, this is just the cigarettes from the Marlboro. I'll put that in there, all right? And you say, well, Pastor, I ain't got no smoking problem. See, I ain't got no smoking I ain't got no eating problem. I'm not overweight. I ain't got no smoking problem. But see, the problem you do have is you might have a drinking problem. You might have a Heineken problem. A lust problem. See, you think you have a drinking problem when really... It's the lust on the inside that, that's working, see. And, uh, you know, this is, this is Heineken. You know, I see you at home, you know, watching your favorite movie. You know, you're just sitting there. And, ooh, it's sizzling. Mmm. Ah. Uh, this is the non-alcoholic can, all right? See, I got you, I got you, I got you. Non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic. You say, well, you know, and some of y'all slick because you go to work. And that lust is still working on the inside of you. So you can't take your beer, but you can take the can, you know. And then some of y'all, <laughs> we have some magazine problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
that's right. They don't use magazines now, which, by the way, this is nothing but an exercise magazine. I'm looking at food. Okay. I'm not having a good time up here. But, but see, lust, lust will make you click. Somebody say amen. So let's move from that one because I feel y'all squirming and inching. So let's go to point two. Because my point with point one was to show you that the Holy Spirit's on the inside. So we have the ability to manage or be self-controlled from the inside. But if we don't watch it, it's the outside influences that will dictate our actions. So here's point number two if you're taking notes. And that is self-control requires restraints and not just rules. Self-control requires restraints, not just rules. We know what the rules are, but no, 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 no. It requires restraints. Self-control or temperance includes restraints. And restraints are things that we put in place that will help us have self-control. In other words, you cannot have self-control, you cannot practice temperance, you cannot walk in that without having some restraints. You know, when I think of the word restraints, I think of a straitjacket. How many have ever had on a straight jacket? Anybody? You say, well, oh, I ain't raising my hand because that means I was crazy. Well, not necessarily. But let's say, uh, you know, when I think of restraints, I'm thinking of somebody in a straight jacket. But listen, a straight jacket restrains you from hurting yourself, but it also restrains you from hurting others. And that's why you put restraints in to be able to walk in self-control. Because if you don't put some restraints around you, that lust will cause you to cheat on your spouse and ruin your family. And now your kids are jacked up for the rest of their life because you couldn't control yourself. First Corinthians chapter 9, watch this now. It says in verse 24, Know you not that they which run in a race, runs, they run all. But it's one who receives the prize. So he tells us, run that you may obtain. Verse 25 says, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate. There's that word. He's self-controlled in all things. Now they, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But you and I for an incorruptible crown. Verse 26. Paul says, I therefore run. I'm running this race, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beats or boxes the air. But watch what he says in verse 27, because this is what you and I must do to walk in temperance. He says, but I, 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 I keep my body under and I bring it into subjection. In other words, I control my body. My body doesn't control me. He says, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen. Listen, lust doesn't, is no respect to persons. And here's the sad thing. This is why you don't want to be a spiritual leader without knowing you're called to be a spiritual leader. Because the enemy works from the top down. See, here's how he works. And I'm going to show you at the end on how to apply this. This is what keeps Pastor Evans out of other people's panties. I said it. I probably shouldn't have, but anyway. No, 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 no. It's called one man with one woman. See, because here's the thing. The devil will tell you, first of all, he'll tell you you ain't going to get caught. But you're going to allow, I'm talking to somebody right now. 
you're going to allow 15 minutes to ruin 15 years of marriage. Wow. Look in verse 25. He says, verse, so run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they that do it, they obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So run, run. And then he says, I keep my body under. The word castaway. I want to let me read this out of the New Living Translation, and then I'm gonna to explain to you what that word castaway means. New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 9:24 says this. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that's going to fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I, Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body. Listen, church, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Listen, the end result of the devil's plan for your life is to kill, steal, and destroy. But listen, he doesn't have to physically kill you to destroy you. See, the devil, he'll let you keep your position, but his goal really is to take your influence. And this is why, unfortunately, back in the day when we saw lots of scandals in the church, big-name people ended up on that list, right? Well, they still have been called and gifted. But here's the thing. The devil has taken their influence through their actions. Amen. He will let you keep your position and destroy your influence. Because listen, sin is deceitful. Everybody say sin is deceitful. And see, the devil is a liar. And what he wants to do is to make it look like, oh, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know what's going on. Well, now, when you start thinking like that, now the devil is really trying to set you up. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 says this, But I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway there, it means rejected, unapproved, and worthless. He said, Paul said, listen, I don't want to sit up here and preach to people. It's like Pastor, I don't want to sit up here and preach to a church and I myself become rejected, unapproved, or worthless. Now, what's interesting about this word castaway is that it's translated in the New Testament six other times as the word reprobate. Now, let me explain something. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to look at that. Reprobate is a way of thinking that's perverted. And so I'm going to read now Romans 1.20. I'm going to get into something, and I know what I'm getting into can be challenging for our culture. But let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back. He's looking for a church that's unspotted. Now, does that mean perfect? No. His blood has made the church perfect. 
But you and I, we should strive for perfection. Romans 1, 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. I'm reading this in context. So that they, or people in the world, are without an excuse. Because that when they knew God, watch this, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Watch verse 22. These are people, they professed themselves to be wise. They became fools and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like with a uh, corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts. Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, watch this, through the lust of their own hearts. See, some some of this stuff that we see going on in the world Listen, just because God allowed you to do it doesn't mean that it's right. See, God gave us all a will, and that will is what determines what we do. And just because we willed to do something doesn't mean it met God's approval. And so he's saying here, God gave them up to uncleanness. He allowed them to do that because he gives us a will through the lust of their own hearts. Watch this. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And these are people, they worship and serve the creature more than the creator. Verse 26 says this. For this cause, because they did this, God gave them up to vile affections. And the word vile, when you look it up, it's talking about perversion. For even their women, listen to me, church, did change the natural use into that which is against nature. What does that mean? In other words, women with women. Verse 27 makes it clear. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of a woman burn in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving of themselves the recompense of their error which was me. In other words, God does not approve of women with women and men with men. That is not only unnatural, it is unspiritual, it is ungodly, it's not something that God approves of. Watch verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. Here's what I read all that to say this. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That word reprobate is also the word castaway that we read. He gave them over into a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. So listen, I'm going to explain something. A person can develop a reprobate mind when they believe a lie or watch this, or they justify anti-Bible behavior. Let me, let me tell you how a person moves over into a reprobate mind. Because if you move over into a reprobate mindset, then that means now the sin that you knew was sin, you now justify, oh, well, it's okay. Well, they move into that type of mindset when they either believe a lie or they justify anti-Bible behavior. In other words, reprobate thinking will have you justifying sinful behavior because of the actions or non-actions for somebody. In other words, you say, well, I only do this because uh, uh, I only look at pornography because my husband don't, don't, don't perform his duties at home. Well, let me tell you something. I don't care how you look at it. It's wrong. Somebody say it's wrong. It's wrong. So 
The only way you and I are going to pull out of that is we walk in temperance, which now gives me point number three. And that is we must train in order to reign. If we're going to walk in temperance, if we're going to be free from, watch this, from now dragging our body along. Listen, the, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's the Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. So in order to walk in temperance, we have to understand it's going to start from the inside. But we must train in order to reign. In other words, the reason why our bodies do what they did is because it has not been changed or trained. This is why we must train our bodies in order to walk in temperance. Training starts with learning. Everybody say training starts with learning. And listen, you have to not only get trained, but you have to rehearse the training manual, which is God's word. You and I must renew our minds or listen, we will keep the mindset that we were born with. You were born with a perverted mindset. You were born with sinful nature. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So we've been born that way. So the only way to change that is when we get born again, we now must change that mindset by renewing our mind. Romans 12, 1, I'm almost finished because I'm going to walk us through some things. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, watch this now, notice the responsibility. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And which, watch what he says, which is your reasonable service. He said, that's what you just ought to do. And then he says, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Listen to the New Living Translation. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. He's talking about our bodies. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Watch this, into a new person, watch this, by changing the way that you think. In other words, the only way you and I are going to be able to walk in temperance, walk in self-control, obey the Spirit of God, is that we have to live or we have to transform our way of thinking. And when, he does that, when we do that, it says here, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I believe the church, we're on right on the edge of some big things that God has for you. But I don't believe God wants us to get to that point where we're getting ready to walk into the promised land and we don't have our flesh under control. See, the devil is smart. He'll let you do stuff, think, letting you think you're getting away with it. When you're not getting away with it, he's really setting you up because at the end of the day, the wages of sin is still death. But see, he's smart. So now let me get to the application part because I'm going to show you or help you to uh, minimize opportunities to fulfill the flesh. Here's the first thing you and I must do. In order for us to walk in temperance, we must get God involved because, listen, you cannot walk in self-control without him. 
I love what David said in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Listen, you can't walk in temperance without God. God knows you sitting on the couch smoking weed. He know that. Amen. God knows what, 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 you, you know, you had some Hennessy last night. He knows it. He saw it. So the first step is getting him involved and saying, you know what, Lord, I'm doing this, but I don't want to do this. I know it's not pleasing you. I need you to help me, which now brings step number two. Here's number two. You must accept responsibility for where you are today. Don't blame where you are on somebody else. Don't do that. Because if you blame somebody else for where you are. Now, I know somebody else might have opened up a door that shouldn't have never been opened. Maybe your uncle showed you pornography and that messed your life up. And that's why you are where you are today. But see, you, you have to now accept responsibility for where you are. Because your uncle been dead since 84. Well, why are you still doing it? You have to take responsibility for where you are today. Here's number three. Then you must retrain. We must retrain. Watch this now. Or we must retrain for us to spiritually reign. You got to change. You got. This is why I'm a big believer in learning the word. Because when you put this word in you, the word has the power to drive anything that's not godly out of you. We just got to put it in us. And the problem is you can't reign without putting some word in. So we must retrain for us to spiritually reign. We must retrain our mindset. Here's number four. We must then, watch this now, create some restraints to live by. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Okay, I'll give you some personal restraints. So one of the things that we do here, okay, you're not going to see me in a meeting with a female. Typically, my wife's going to be in there. But let's say she's in her own meeting or whatever. We're not going to have the door closed in my office. That's not going to happen. It's not, it's not that I don't trust the lady. It's not that I don't trust me. I don't trust the devil. If you'll go through our administrative offices, all of them have glass. I made them that way. So that way, nobody can say that, oh, Pastor so-and-so touched me. No, we got glass and we got cameras. So that's one of, when I say restraints, I'm talking about putting things like that in place. I don't drive with females in my car unless my wife is in my car. Now, heaven, you know, goes with me. But, I mean, I wouldn't pick somebody up on the side of the road unless the Lord told me to. If he did, because you, you never know what people are setting you up to do. They can make it look like something was never, that wasn't there. So you got to create some restraints. And then here's the next one, which will help you. You need to play out what that sinful scene will look like. Not necessarily the act, but the consequences of the act. You need to play that out because that'll help you not do it. Okay. All right. I've been married 25 years. Okay. And uh, if I cheat on my wife, okay, I ain't never done it, but let's say I do it this one time. And I didn't know that the person who I was sleeping with was filming it. And then I didn't know that this person I was sleeping with was burnt. Y'all know what that means. Okay. I don't know none of that. Right? So here it is now. I just played this, a, ooh, wow, okay, wow. 
first of all, that's going to ruin my marriage. That's 25 years. Okay. Then it's going to probably mess my kids up. Uh, heaven's 21. That'll mess her up. And Landon's 10. He's going to struggle the rest of his life thinking that his dad uh, was, you know, was unfaithful to his mother. Right. And then I got to deal with my church. I got all these thousands of people that go to my church and now they had faith in me. They had they had trust in me. They believed in me. They believed that what I was teaching, I was living. And so, man, if I messed up, then I'm going to mess up all those people's life. And then because the size of our church is probably going to end up on somebody's newsstand. Channel 4 is going to probably be there waiting for me to show up at church. And then they interview members. What do you think about your pastor cheating on his wife? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Okay, so <laughs> when you think through that, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And see, that's the problem. We don't think through it. You, you, you're not thinking through getting high at, at work. I know, during break time, you're doing more than breaking. You're smoking. Now, I'm not talking about cigarettes either. You getting high at work doing you that's my lunchtime, that's fine. Okay, but what you don't know is that somebody's been observing you because you've been smelling funny anyway when you walked in. And here it is, you're gonna let a joint smoking session cause you to lose your job that you've unhad for 15 years. Really? So you gotta play that kind of stuff. You got to let you see, because I'm telling, I'm talking, oh Jesus, I'm talking to some people. This is your day to get out. This is it. Some of you all need to go and, 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 and send a text message saying, we're done. We're done. Or you might have to call. We're done. We're done. And delete the person's phone number out your phone and block it. Today is the day to get out. I'm trying to help somebody. When you play out what the consequences are to look like, the Bible says, can you put fire in your bosom and not get burnt? Let me answer that question for you. No. So you got to now look at what that scene would look, what your, what your life would look like. And then here's the next one. Find someone who will love you or who loves you without judging you so you can be accountable to them. Find somebody. I know you got somebody that loves you that won't judge you, that you can be accountable to. Amen. Don't call them your bestie if you can't tell them anything. They're not your bestie. They're just your best. And then here's the last one. You must decide today that you're going to walk in purity. It's, it's a decision. I, I, I'm not doing this. I'm done. I'm done. You just need to text them and say, we're done. I believe with all my heart, this is some people's warnings because God has been covering your foolishness. He's trying to give you an opportunity to get it right. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the danger. We don't know where grace ends and judgment starts. We don't know where that line is. So you can skip. You're going to be just like Samson. I'm ending right here. Samson. Man, he was sleeping with Delilah. And somebody sleeping with Delilah. He just slept with her, you know. Hey, what you... Sam, I'm a, let me play it out. Hey, Sam. 
What you doing tonight? What's up? Well, you know what I want to do for you. Can you swing through the palace? Now, here it is, Samson. First time he did it, oh, nothing happened. Man, he got up. <laughs> Second time. Hey, Sam, come on over. Okay, where you at? I'm rolling through. <laughs> well, he did that several times. That's three words, several. But then this one time, he didn't know <laughs> that grace stopped and judgment started. So here it is. He got up this time and it didn't work for him. I believe God don't want you to get there. So you must decide today to walk in purity. So I want to pray this prayer. And I want you to, you know, Romans 12 said that we must submit our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. And so there are some people I believe everybody in, in, in some kind of way just needs to say, I'm not going to let passion destroy my life. You know, your passion can just be your own self. Because lust only cares about you. So I want you today, make a decision to live in purity. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those who are watching. And Father, those who are struggling, even with their sexual identities, I, I'm praying for some people, God, who, who are struggling in that area. But what they're struggling with, they think they're struggling because of where their bodies are and where their minds are. But the struggle really, Father, is against flesh. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. And all they have to do is make a decision today to commit to your way and the power that they need to do all things through Christ will empower them. And so, Father, whatever it is, those who are watching, as they surrender Whatever it is, it could be food, it could be drugs, it could be sex, it could be whatever it is. As they commit that thing to you today, and as they decide, I'm going to walk in purity, Lord, I thank you that even now, demons are bowing in Jesus' name. I say, devil, you will no longer control the hearts and the minds of God's people. I declare in Jesus' name, lust will no longer have authority over them. That love is going to overtake them. And Father, I thank you that today I speak freedom in the lives of your people. And that Father, weights are being lifted off of people right now in Jesus' name. I see weights dropping. And I thank you, God, for great things happening as they surrender to you in Jesus' mighty name. With every head still bowed, there are some people who, if you die today, you're not sure you go to heaven. I want to pray for you. There are also some people who need to rededicate their life.